Hello, everybody. Welcome to No Reserve, part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. We're here to help you make sense of the car market, whether you're buying, selling, or simply watching. Now, this week, the deals have returned. We have a five grand Alfa Romeo, an M3 for less than 30, and a hot hatch from Japan for beer money. Sweet. Uh, but then on the other hand, there's an FJ40 that sold for a quarter of a million bucks and a Bugatti that might top $5 million. Nah, oh well, it's a crapshoot as always. I'm Larry Webster, editor of Haggerty Media. And I'm Dave Kinney, the publisher of the Haggerty Price Guide. Now, between us, we've got decades of experience buying, selling, and driving the cars we love. Plus, we're backed by the data of the Haggerty Valuation Tools. Hello, Dave. Hello, Larry. Show me those deals. All right, Dave, we're recording this on Wednesday, November 9th. Uh, I think we are seeing some movements in the market. So let's jump right into our opening big segment. You had one in particular you wanted to point out, that Alfa Romeo. What, do you, what did you like about this thing? Well, it's an interesting car, Larry, because what's going on is it's a California car. Uh, it's actually in Monterey, California, where it's sold out of. Uh, this is on the market at Bonhams. Um, <clears throat> sold for 4600 bucks. That is cheap for a uh, Alfa Romeo Spider from 1979. Now, I will say that if you look at the photos, yeah, you'll see that... Yeah, it's got a little rust. See, yeah, it's got a little rust, um, but it sold for half of our number four value. Our number four value is 10.2. So, uh, you know, this kind of money, uh, the disposable uh, 1979 Alfa Romeo uh, Sprint, I mean, sorry, Spider, is a, a car that's a reality. It wasn't really presented all that well. I'm going to say that. What the are you market... talking about, Dave? They photographed this thing right on the Pacific Ocean. Okay, but mean? there's not there's not 178 photographs. There's like oh, six. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And I mean, they were you know they they got the Instamatic out from the 70s just like you should. They found it in the glove box and they took the photos and took them down to Photomat and had them done. This was not the way you sell a car in 2022, and maybe that you know helped the thing stay low. There was very little information. The price stay low. There's very little information about it. Interesting thing is that it had a uh, British uh, number plate on the front. Apparently, the car had spent some time in Britain, which of course is another home of rust, as opposed to Monterey, California, which, as long as you take, keep it away from the sea, would be just fine. But cheap car, uh, really. I cheap. thought this is super cool. I was I appreciated you bringing this one up because under five grand, Italian Roadster. Now, I mean, 1979, these things were pretty neutered in terms of the horsepower department, and yep. nobody's going to say they're great handlers, but there's so much charm from the stick shift coming out of the center stack to the wood steering wheel to the entire look of the thing. I, I was like, oh, wow. You know, for a while, we have not seen any sort of really deals, and maybe this isn't a deal, Dave. Maybe it's just like well-bought. Somebody's going to have a lot of fun for not a lot of money. And you know, that engine, you know, that, that double overhead cam engine is, I don't know, what did they start that thing in the early 60s building that thing? That was a fantastic motor. Ready, yeah, very good, star, very right? good power plant. You know, we had the whole era of the spike of fuel injection, which this sure. is. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's issues, but there's always going to be issues with any old car. Um, but, hey, at that kind of money, um, you know, their estimate, uh, Bonham's estimate was between 10 and 15 grand. Somebody either bought it for half. Uh, the estimated price, or one third of the estimated price. That's that's doing pretty good. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the next car I want to talk about is also like there's a few in here that we're going to talk about today that signal perhaps a movement in the market is probably the wrong word, but yet that there's a return of some really pretty good buys if you're watching. 
This is a 2005 BMW M3 competition package. That's important, the competition package. They didn't make as many of those. It had stiffer springs. Um, this one sold on Bring a Trailer for $24,500. It did have 122,000 miles. It is yep. located in the Rust Belt in Illinois, but this one looked really clean. And it's a manual transmission. So it's got the crazy, fantastic 330-something horsepower, straight six S54, stick shift, beautiful color, twenty-four grand. I thought this was really well bought. What did you think? I agree too. The inner Lagos blue metallic, which is a great color with the, especially when combined with a tan interior, just a really, really nice looking car. I'm not going to say this is half price, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, we have these things a lot higher than this in the uh, price guide. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think this is a, this is a whale of a deal for a car, um, with a lot of miles on it, but you know, BMW guys don't seem to be really concerned. BMW guys from this era, the that'd be the early 2000s, don't really seem to be concerned about the uh, the number of miles. They rather have a you know a pretty good Carfax report, which this has, and uh, uh, you know the 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 kind of tasteful mods that were done to this. Yeah. This is not like a a crazy you know everything changed out car. Just kind of a you know somebody uh, you know thought about it before they put well, stuff on, which is a good thing. I got to correct myself. I was wrong. It's it's the uh, SMG single clutch automated manual, and uh, the they changed the shift lever so it sort of looks like a manual on this car, but yep. it's actually so I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse course. I mean this is about what that car is worth. That gearbox is terrible. I mean if you I ever think drove that, on, yeah, the, the, the gearbox is terrible, but the car is not. So I right. mean you know they're, they're you know and a lot of them were sold with the with the uh, automatic and not the manual, but. Uh, uh, just the same. I think it's a. I think it was a very good buy and a sign that you know maybe things are cooling down a little bit on some of these things. This is on Bring a Trailer, and you know, frankly, right now it doesn't get any better to sell a BMW of this era uh, than on BMW, than on Bring a Trailer most all times. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that one. I think that's about what it's worth. That unless yeah, you do, I a think it's worth a little swap. more. I think it's worth more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're wrong. 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 Yeah. Wrong. 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 No. No. Wrong. Okay. Wrong. You you pointed out another oddball. A lot of fun for not a lot of money. Tell us about it. Oddball, not a lot of fun, or a lot of fun for not a lot of money. Yeah. That's that's you, Larry. That's, <laughs> that's oh oh, you're talking about a car, a 1994 Daihatsu Mira, uh, which is you know one you'll have to look up. Little tiny, uh, you know the usual K car, K a car, whatever. Uh, this one's kind of a wagonish looking. It's a hatchback type of thing. Uh, you know, forty seven hundred dollars. Uh, that's cheap. This is on cars and bids. Um, you know, it, it has a lot going for it in the, let's take it to, uh, you know, let's take it to, uh, Radwood, let's take it to, uh, cars and coffee, whatever type of thing. It's a little late for Radwood, but nobody noticed a five speed, uh, hot hatch basically. And, uh, this one has a U.S. title. So hopefully that title will stay good in the U.S. Uh, well, but, um, I mean, this car was never sold here. It's a K nope. car, which means this is a class of car in Japan where, they couldn't have engines greater than 660 cc. So all through the 80s, the Japanese makers were throwing turbos and double overhead cams and intercoolers and all kinds of cool stuff. And I agree that this car for under five grand, it would cost you six thousand to ship it from Japan. So I yeah. think this is a hell yeah. of a deal for something that's really quite unique and fun and funky and all that stuff. You know, and and let's say it. You know, I think Cars and Bits was the right place to sell this car. And it only brought forty seven hundred dollars. So uh, you know, maybe a you know maybe a online. I mean, sorry, a, an in person sale would be better 
because of the cuteness factor on this thing. Because when you see it in person, you just want to go, oh, maybe she wants to come home with me. Uh, like a little puppy dog. So we'll see. Well, it could be, you know, there's other K cars that are really attractive, like the Suzuki Cappuccino, the Honda Beat, um, that I think enthusiasts, they kind of know what they are. This one, I think, is so weird. And that helped, but also hurts, because then you have to explain what it is. It's a Daihatsu, so it's not... No, you don't have to explain it at all. What, what do you, you do, it's spelled M-I-R-A, right? So you just say, oh, yeah, I've got a Mira some other exotic cars and they'll, they'll think you said Mira. So, uh, you know, it is exotic. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. That's three examples that we just talked about where we think that the prices were reasonable and good and it doesn't signal like a complete collapse, but maybe does signal that there's some sanity coming back into the market. Is that what you're sensing, Dave? What's your what are you thinking? Well, just when you think there might be sanity coming back, then you see a 82 Toyota Land Cruiser FJ43 done by the FJ company that sold for $246,690. Let's just call it what it is. It's a quarter of a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. You think this is I think that's a good price for this thing. I think so too. Now the FJ company completely redoes these cars. They're, you know, they're, yes, they have the same body shell. They have a lot of the same stuff as the original. Um, you know, think of this like, uh, you know, like a Bronco build that was done by Gateway or something like that in some ways. Uh, same sort of idea behind it. Uh, it's beautiful. It's perfect. And you can never, ever take it rock climbing again unless you're a billionaire because then. I guess maybe a quarter of a million bucks doesn't mean anything to you. But uh, um, so you're kind of limited in your use, I would say, uh, just speaking personally. Uh, but uh, somebody bought the best one uh, that, they, that they could find in great colors. It's kind of that light green uh, FJ color that we see everywhere. Uh, really well done. And this, again, was a uh, bring a trailer sale. $246,690. That's a lot of money. It's a ton. But if you, let's say you bought a, an FJ40, for whatever 50 60 grams about what they go for and then you try to replicate this build it would probably cost you more um you know you think so i'm thinking i'm thinking you could do this for 150 yeah you, you couldn't get you couldn't get the fj company badge uh, i mean i got that but uh you know i think you could do it maybe maybe dave i mean you're pretty handy with a sander i know you like doing that stuff so maybe you've got a, you're thinking a lot of a sweat equity in there but yeah I I'm handy with a credit card more than I'm handy with a <laughs> sander. I'll tell you that. Well, what I thought was super cool about it is a lot of these builds, they throw in the uh, uh, a Chevy small block in the engine right. room. And this one, they kept the straight six, which is you know a motor that really you can't kill, but is never known for power. And they put a supercharger on it. So, uh, And then they backed it up with a five-speed, so it's got overdrive. Yep. They redid all the suspension. They didn't put crazy wheels and tires on it. They put sort of reasonable things. So this one looks to me like, oh, they expect it to be driven. And uh, nice interior, really well done. I, this thing, I, I've been thinking about it too. I wish I could own it, but that is a lot of money for something you'll never be able to tent up. And yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's like a trophy that you put in your case, and your mm -hmm. case in this case is the garage, I guess. But uh, uh, you know, it's got air conditioning, uh, vintage air air conditioning, Recaro front seats. Um, it still rides like an FJ, I'm sure, um, in many ways. But it's got a lot of a lot of cool build uh, going into it, and a lot of good quality build. I mean, the, the photos are amazing. But what do you do? I well, mean, Dave, I got to ask you a question. When did when I first started going to auctions 
five, six years ago, without fail, every big public auction for classic cars, expensive classic cars, there was always an FJ40 in the line. Yep. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, what is well, that? They, they, they exploded. There were a couple that came on the market to, you know, probably about, I guess it's probably seven, eight years ago. And they were basically unknown in the auction market. But these cars were so, or these trucks were so well built. They just kind of exuded uh, this great build quality when they were made back to be like a number one quality car. So uh, they went from being a, you know, a, a $10,000, $15,000 who the hell wants it type of thing. All of a sudden, overnight, they became 80 and 90 and then 110 and 120,000 yeah. dollars. Uh, they've retreated some since then because what happened was everybody drags out their uh, FJ and has restored it. And so a lot more really nice ones came on the market. As a matter of fact, the Haggerty price guide right now tops out at 91.2 uh, on these. Oh, is that uh, a number one car? That's a number one. Ooh. So we've seen we've we've seen some uh, some some of the numbers kicking up a little bit more. We're going to see more in the hundreds. But uh, at at you know think about it, man. At two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you could buy three really nice ones. Well, okay, it's really interesting what's happening in the resto mod market. You know, because singers are worth more in the secondhand market than they cost to build new, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we don't know what the price that FJ company charged for this thing, but it's probably going for a little bit of a premium. I think some of it is the, uh, it's the instant gratification factor, right? The person at this auction didn't have to wait a year to build it. Granted, they didn't get to put every little piece they wanted in it, but like this thing's going to show up on a truck within a week. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all point and shoot that in that way. So there's not you don't have to make the little decisions. What do you want to do? You know, which which what what rating do you want for your winch? What do you want for this? You know, all that sort of stuff. So it's already done. Uh, and there's a lot to be said for point and shoot. And this is still a market where people love the you know ready to go stuff, and they'll let the stuff that needs just this and just that sit by the wayside. So I mean, I get it. I, I mean, all those little decisions you can't make is why you have Studebaker Avantes all over the country in various shops. I know, I seen it firsthand. I mean, I you know the the good news is that when I get my cars working, they run for a while. Larry, can you say the same thing? <laughs> no I, comment. Dave. I'm hearing the silence. I'm hearing the silence. Thank, thank, thank you, Lawrence. I appreciate. There's that. a reason I'm not a professional mechanic. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, you know, we just pointed out kind of nutty, but a lot of good value. And here's one that I think this 1979 Porsche 928 with a manual sold on P Car Market for um, what was it? 83. 83. 83. Yeah. I, I yeah. thought for this car, it's really a terrible color in my view, but presented really well, super duper clean. I thought this was probably about a right, correct price, especially with that really awesome Porsche interior. You with me? Yeah, on that this? makes. Yeah, that makes it everything. I don't agree. I think this is a great color. I think petrol blue metallic is Ugh. a good color on boring. these cars. I'm uh, boring. How about white and silver ones? They're just <laughs> everywhere. So I'll take the blue over white. Thank you very much. Mm. I don't want to have another Porsche refrigerator in my driveway. So uh, and the Pasha interior, we can both uh, both agree on. That's the way to go. That you know, for the uninitiated, that's kind of the op-ed black and white print uh, that. Uh, it added uh, twenty grand to the price art. of this car. I mean, without yeah, exactly. that, it's twenty grand less. I mean, th this was such fun because they obviously they had the motor out, they rebuilt it. I mean, this car's really been well cared for. Because nineteen seventy nine, these weren't super fast. They didn't have a ton of power. They weren't as good as the later cars, the GTS models in the late eighties. But you know, it's so fun to look at these and uh, recognize that this was the car that Porsche said was going to replace the nine eleven. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the fact that it's a Euro spec model, and we can't uh, we can't not 
both agree on those phone dial wheels. They're the best. Oh, yeah. Um, and the long. best for the 928. So, uh, you know, good car, good price. Yeah. Uh, we see these things top out at about 110 um, at uh, the price guide. But uh, uh, this is a very good number. I think it's a very reasonable buy for the guy. And, uh, again, P-Car Market, great, uh, great display, good ads. Yeah, so this is, you know, well-sold, well-bought, just solid. Yep. And uh, the new owner has a car I hopefully they can really enjoy. I mean, it's it looks completely solid okay let's switch let's switch out to our kicking tires segment these are for cars that are coming up for sale in the next week or so uh the one that i'm kind of fixated on is um it's on bring a trailer right now it's a 2021 bugatti chiron and this is the per sport this is the highest on the bugatti range it's got yep. nine days to go, Dave. It's already at three point eight million. Where did you get in at? You put in a bit of three and a half. You know, I had I had to get out at three point six. I just, you know, I, <laughs> I I talked to my wife and she said, "Listen, if you can't just pay cash for it, you know, uh, better better not, you know, better not finance it." And then again, you know, the Powerball didn't win, so uh, you know, I couldn't get it. So, oh. but uh, I know I'm saying, "Hey, it's okay. I'll, I'll get over it." Good color, great car. This could be the most expensive car ever sold on uh, Bring a Trailer when this ends. Uh, $3.8 million, it's got 10 days to go. I don't think we're going to see $3,850,000 from the next guy. Uh, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, lots of comments, of course. Uh, but it's the right car, the right color, uh, the right, yeah, maybe a little bit less than the right time, but it should do very, very well. Again, I mean, you know, basically a brand new car. Yeah, I mean... Uh- these cars are super cool. I love the the technology behind them. Technology, what I mean is they've got everything, right? There's 16 cylinders, four turbos. Uh, you know, they go 200 and I don't even know, 50-something miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have it. This car would not be here without Ferdinand Pieck, right? He's, right? he's like the madman mastermind behind the 917, and he, you know, is always lurking in the background at BW Porsche. So. Lots of great stuff about this. This car, you know, the AMG one, the Aston Martin Valkyrie, they're just like these uh, trophy status symbols. You know what I mean? They yeah, get got, bought. Got to have it. Got to have it for billionaires. Absolutely. And then they so, get parked. Uh, this thing has five hundred miles on it, and it's yep. uh, well, it's not that old, but it's, it won't it's get one driven. year old. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, let's put it this way: I've got less miles on one of my nineteen twenty. I mean, twenty twenty two cars, so I have little room to talk, but. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, probably somebody bought it for an investment. Uh, they're getting out and, you know, maybe doing very well on it, uh, by the time it's all over. So, so. Th- this company is really fun because they, they, they behave very much like a coach building place. And they, yep. you know, if you buy a car new, you're going to know the president intimately. And oh, yeah. I heard yeah. that they're selling also just engines on a stand that you can buy for your garage too, which would be Quite a thing to have, I think. So uh, they're totally into the passion of their customers, which I do love. This is one of 60 of the pure sport models. Um, there is a little bit of uh, model grade inflation with uh, uh, Bugattis. They seem to introduce a, a new model all the time. This one, however, is an interesting new model. It actually has a lot of differences that are not just cosmetic. So, um, oh, and, yeah, and, I, and they keep getting better looking. I mean, that, oh, yeah. that design language, as they refine it and they make it a little more sleeker, I think they're, they're more beautiful with everyone. And this car is like maybe the first one that I've, I look at and go like, holy moly, that thing's freaking cool. So, yeah, um, yeah. but crazy money, crazy, crazy money. Well, well, we'll be watching. Let's see where it goes. What, um, what do you have your eye on? 
Well, one that you actually uh, uh, picked out is a 2007 Callaway C16 Speedster. Now, this is a one-off, so you know it's very hard to say what this thing's going to be worth and what it's going to sell for. It's uh, six days out uh, at 155000 last night. So uh, this is a Corvette done by Callaway. Not your regular Callaway Corvette. This is a, not even a Roadster. It's an open-top car. Uh, it's just a beautiful design. You know, for, To me, I like the design. I could see where some people didn't. Um, but, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, uh, this, you know, last gen, uh, Corvette C16 Speedster by Callaway, what it does. Well, um, you know, I, I don't know my timeline really well, but I was wondering, cause you know, Ferrari has that SP3 Monza, which is basically mm-hmm. their version of this car front engine, uh, but with no windshield and those things are super valuable. So this is maybe a regular person's version of it. Um, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, this was on the lawn at Pebble, uh, not on the lawn, but actually on the display lawn at Pebble in 2007. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people have seen it before. It's Callaway, which is a good name in the Corvette world. Uh, but we're going to see what happened. I think at uh, 155, it's awful damn cheap. Well, hmm, I, it's a, I don't know. It is a one-off. It's very special. It's beautiful. But I'm a functional guy, and this one is, uh, you really can't use it. It has no top. And at the end of the day, it's still a Corvette, which you can get a ton of them for 50 grand or less. So, well, I guess we'll keep a watch, and um, I'd be surprised if it goes over 200. But let's face it, I've been wrong many, many times before. Um, the one that I'm really keen on is this 1972 Oldsmobile Hearst It's an Indy 500 pace car. That's going to be sold at the Broad Arrow auctions in Palm Beach in about 10 days. Um, these Hearst cars are super interesting to me, Dave, because do you think, I think I'm the last, I'm 52. I may be the last, the youngest person that knows what Hearst means. Yeah, it was everything for racing, uh, you know, in, in its day, 60s and 70s, especially. I mean, Miss Hearst was at all the events. She was uh, still around, Linda Vaughn friend of mine got a picture with her just last week, as a matter of fact. Um, so it was, uh, you know, it was one of those things where definitely a social and uh, an automotive icon. Um, we have the Hurstoles topping out at about 73.2. Um, a really good quality one could do better than that, I think. These are 455, or, I'm sorry, 455 motors with uh, 275 horsepower. You know, <laughs> I, I was almost calling it a 455 horsepower car in 1972. That would have been earth shaking, wouldn't it? Anything outside of a race car. Yeah. Um, but these things are a lot of fun. Um, they're definitely of the time and the era. Uh, they were everywhere in the early 1970s, uh, and now you see them at uh, you see them at auctions every once in a while, but not so much like yeah, on this, the street anymore. This, they're gone from the street. This one looks to me like a pretty special car. It has all the original paperwork. It has the original spare tire. Uh, you know, Hearst made these performance parts and they were brilliant marketers. So they were at every drag race with, like you said, Linda yep. Vaughn was like their spokesperson. And uh, this one is unbelievably clean. And so if this is the car you want, this is the time to get it. And, you know, a lot of people that probably really wanted this car uh, at the time when it was new, couldn't afford it. And now they're probably back thinking this may be my last chance to own something like this. So I think it's going to fetch a pretty dollar when it sells just because how clean it is i mean it's kind of amazing yeah sounds good we got another one at broad arrow too that we wanted to look at which was a 94 bmw 850 csi 
Um, you know, the uh, the 850s were hated, yeah. hated by people maybe two years after production ended. And it was all about you're never going to be able to fix them, electronics, 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 all that sort of stuff. And they bounced back. Uh, they have really bounced back. And this one's got a uh, estimate between 120 and 150,000. This is an 850 CSI. Um, you know, there's a, num a number of different 8 Series models. I like this one a lot. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. I can't say enough about this car. V12, stick shift. You know, one of the most beautiful BMW coupes ever made. And this car looks to be absolutely pristine shape. I would not want to be the one keeping it running. And hopefully it's <laughs> totally sorted. But um, as a time capsule, a, a moment in time for BMW Grand Touring Cars, I don't think they've surpassed this thing in terms of that refinement, specialness. And um, it just, you know, it's, it was a time when, when BMW was still, you know, they had some restraint in their design department. Now that seems to be gone. And they're throwing off all these angles and shapes and, and they just seem to have totally lost their way. But here it was a beautiful, mature, ah, just a wonderful machine. But yeah, you could have bought this well, for 20 grand not too long ago, right? Exactly. And the eight series cars, you know, really got just pummeled by the, uh, by the public, uh, you know, for a number of different reasons. But, uh, this is a, a non, non-metallic black, which is a great color. It's one of 1510, 850 CSIs built between 92 and 96. That's a, you know, pretty good, pretty good long, long, uh, number of years. And that's worldwide. That's not uh, U.S. market cars. So, um, yeah, I agree. I like these cars a lot. I think we got a lot of ways, uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where this car You ever own one of these, uh, Dave? Goes. I've never owned an 8 Series. I have a client who bought one when they were literally, you said, $20,000, $30,000 cars. It was a trade-in at his local BMW dealer. He lives in Pennsylvania. And he said to me, when I looked at it, Everybody said no. You know, don't buy it. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a trouble. Everything else. And he said he looked at it. He walked around. He said, you know what? It's a damn beautiful car, yeah. and I really don't care about you know all these people's opinion on what's going to go wrong and everything else. I'm a car guy. I'm going to buy it. So you know, he probably bought in at uh, at around the thirty thousand dollar mark right off the used car lot. The trade in that uh, even the BMW dealer didn't want, uh, and now it's his, and yeah, he's going to have the last lap. So he still has it. Yes, he does. I, by the way, on the, the HPG guide, these things top out at two hundred and fifty-seven thousand with a number two, which is a really, really decent car, topping out at one seventy-two. Even our number four is up to fifty-seven four now. And like you said, it wasn't that long ago you could not give one. Yeah, I guess people figure out. I remember it was. Um, what I liked about them is they were so comfortable and quiet, but they didn't go all the way luxury like an SL of the era did. These were still there when I just joined Car and Driver, so I did get some time in it. You know, I was an M3 guy, younger, sporty, faster, but I really appreciated how these things blended that sportiness, that agility, but also this sort of like heft and this Germanness where, you know, they're Autobahn bred cars. They could do 150 on the Autobahn for hours and hours and hours, just completely comfortable. So, and, and I think we're going to find the, the non-modified cars like this one are, are going to be the ones that bring the most. And so it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, estimate 120 to 150. Who knows? Yeah. Well, all right, let's move on to our questions. Bill from Fairbanks, Alaska. He's like, when do you think we'll see mass market stuff like the C7 Grand Sport retreat off of their pandemic values? Like C7s in particular, Dave, they're still, you know, the Corvettes, the C5s, they got crazy cheap. 15, 20 grand got you a good one. 
And all of us are hoping the C7 does the same and it's not doing it yet. What's which? No, it's not. And I mean, the Grand Sport was, you know, the car to have. So uh, I don't know if we're going to see a lot more depreciation on those. It's uh, going to be a good question. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, my crystal ball's broken again. What can I say? But uh, wait, Dave, I oh, think they're, I think they're not going to get all that. Cheap. The Grand Sport probably not. But you know, they made what fifteen, twenty thousand C sevens a year oh, yeah. for five yeah. or six years. They got to come. Oh yeah, down. I mean the, the the Corvettes themselves are going to get cheaper. There's no doubt about okay. that. But uh, uh, you know, you can argue that the C7 is the last of an era too. So there might be a lot of people who just want the, uh, you know, the kind of how do I put it nicely, non complexity of a of a C7 over a C8. They are brilliant cars. I mean, comparatively, I don't know if they're recognized for the step change, the C7, which I think it came out in 2012 ish, 2011, 2012. Um, the step change in terms of handling and feel from the C6 to the C7 is, uh, you know, it's, it's light years different. And the one you want, in my view, is the regular Z51 with the stick shift and pretty much nothing else. I mean, they, they sound great. They shift. They got tons of power. They're brilliant, brilliant cars. And it seems like the market recognizes that, which, which means they're not like, used car lot prices anytime soon, which bums me out because I kind of want one someday. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see, I, you know, the special ones, the, the incredibly low miles ones, the Grand Sports, some of the other, you know, uh, uh, production, uh, you know, fun packages that they have probably be the last to uh, go down. But I, I don't see them going down. I see the regular, you know, used 80,000 mile ones. Yeah, they're not going to hold their value all that much. But uh uh, a lot of people like the C7 better than C8. I know that's not a popular thing to say, but there are still plenty of people who are old school. Yeah. So I, there I'm you in go. There. Yeah, I think the C7 yeah. I'd rather that, especially for the kind of stuff that I do. Okay, this is going to be a hard one, Dave. I'm gonna. This is going to challenge all your knowledge. Bud in Dalton, Georgia, he's asking: Is there a pre-war car that represents really good value, but gets unfairly overlooked? Hmm. Pre-war, pre-war. Car, huh? so that's before when they say wow. that it's before world war ii sure sure uh i think i, know I could one. look go ahead okay well you go first then i i'm thinking here okay it's a 1936 38 buick sedanette um our colleague aaron robinson owns one and mm-hmm. this car just impressed the i don't know what you want to call it. it it's super impressive the design is really cool it's got a fastback with a teardrop shape the build quality is really, really high. You could tell that Buick was aiming for like a coach builders like quality in the thing. And if you contrast that with any 50s American car from 15 years or post-war, and you could see what they were doing. All they were doing was trying to build these things as cheap as they can. But in 38, the Buick remained the uh, premium car and it feels that way. And they're not that expensive. They're well under 20 grand. Yeah, actually, I've ridden in uh, Aaron's car as well, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, went on a drive when I was out in California with him. Um, yeah, that's a good choice. I think maybe there's some there's some lesser marks that are kind of forgotten. Maybe things like Franklins, which were air cooled cars. I've seen a lot of young people actually gravitate to them because they're just such a uh, you know when you think air cooled, everybody in in 
this day and age thinks of the last of the, the uh, Volkswagen yeah, yeah. Volkswagen air cooled cars. But uh, there were a lot of air cooled Franklins that were out there. As a matter of fact, the cool thing about the Franklin was they built like a fake radiator front end on a bunch of them where it wasn't <laughs> even needed, uh, just for acceptance. You know, so uh, I think there's probably a lot. That's a question that we probably should revisit in a, in a couple of weeks and come up with a, a few on our own. How about that? Let's do well, that. Well, I'm hearing younger people. I mean, younger, so much younger than us, Dave. That's under under fifty. 50, but no kidding, really under 30 that are buying <laughs> Model Ts. And it's a bit of a head scratcher to me, but I know somebody who did. He's like in his mid-20s, bought a Model T. He's like, look, these things are really interesting. They're simple to work on. They're so different in terms of how they're built. There's a lot to learn. And they're a completely different analog experience to anything. And 10 grand gets you a pretty good one. So it's happening. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, there are a number of things that should have happened that everybody predicted that uh, would happen, like brass cars were going to go, you know, just drop off the map in terms of values. Well, the high horsepower brass cars are worth more than they've ever been worth because people take them out. They do, uh, you know, they do events with them and everything else. So, you know, conventional wisdom is always conventional, but it's hardly ever wisdom. So, uh, <laughs> Did you make that up, Dave? I, I, yeah, I think I found it on a fortune cookie, actually. But, uh, you, know, I, you know, end of the story is is that, uh, you know, you do you. And if you think a, a Model T is the car that you would like to have fun with, I think that's the greatest thing in the world. Cheap and uh, ready to go. You do have to learn how to drive it. It's a different driving experience. Those pedal arrangements, uh, you know, if you go stomping on the wrong pedal, you're going to go in the wrong direction. But, uh, um, you know, obviously this is the stuff our great-great-grandfathers, you know, and great-grandfathers, you know, and grandmothers grew up with. And uh, so from that standpoint, I think that's plenty cool as well. I mean, this is something we cover on insider.haggerty.com all the time, is that these cars, they don't go to zero if they get softer in value. They just sort of, they kind of hold, hold their own. And we've talked about it before. It's a, a lot of the MGs that are really charismatic and they're really, they're, they're maybe not pre-war, but they're kind of war. Like the MGTF, <laughs> right? The, 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 the well, TC. The, the, the styling and the uh, driving feel is definitely pretty war. There's no doubt about you know, that. The, the yeah. TDs, the Triumph TR3s, super neat cars. You know, they used to be pricey for the average person, but they just the prices didn't really go up. So now, no, they're no, affordable and fun. Yeah, they pretty well stayed the same. Like that. So. so that's what's fun about it. There's a lot of great stuff. And to your point, you know, you you gotta in, enjoy what you do. Well, Dave, it's been super interesting. Um, any final comments from you about this week? Well, uh, I think that uh, we've learned a few lessons in the uh, classic car market, and one of them is is that uh, you know what goes up does come down. So watch out for uh, buying a car for investment. Always buy it because you love it. Let the investment be the second, third, or fourth thing in the uh, in the car. Um, but that said, the market's still doing pretty strong. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's always a tale of multiple markets, right? There's that FJ40, that resto mod, that's quarter of a million bucks. And then there's this Alfa Romeo for less than Miata money. So I think uh, for me, there's those indicators that there's just some sanity coming back and you're not seeing record after record. And, you know, we're not sitting here going, this is crazy. We're like, oh, you know what? I wish I'd been on that. That's a pretty cool car for that money. So I I would tell people, keep your eyes open. This stuff's out there. You know, hopefully you've saved a little bit of money and you've got it. And, And I think we're getting into an era where you can get back in 
really, really safely. And of course, we have our bull market issue coming out in about a month, and we're going to highlight some cars that we think will go up in value. So um, kind of an interesting time for sure. Um, so anyway, love to hear from you. Um, please put your questions in the comments. Uh, definitely share this. Help us spread the word. Subscribe, like, let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Um, definitely thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, buy what you love and you won't be disappointed. We will catch you next week on No Reserve.